We are on Ksubis Vav Amabez 6b. We are on the uh, seventh line or so from the top. And we are in the middle of our discussion about whether or not a couple, after they get married, are they allowed to have sexual relations for the first time on Friday night, on Shabbos. And just a quick review, the Gemara mentioned uh, different reasons why maybe it should not be allowed, maybe it should, not, it should be allowed. Uh, is it a problem of causing blood, the, the breaking of the hymen that's come out, which would be a problem on Shabbos, or making an opening would be a problem, or perhaps... No, maybe that's not your intention, and it's not for sure going to happen. And even if it does happen, so then it's destructive, it's not constructive. In order to violate Shabbos, it would have to be constructive. Um, so there, there are various uh, reasons to say one way or the other that we discussed uh, a few recordings ago. The Gemara continues on with this discussion, and the Gemara tries to bring proofs one way or the other. So the Gemara asks as follows, Masav Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef asks, can't we bring a proof from the following b'risa? From the following b'risa, which is from the times of the Mishnah, The b'risa says, uh, an important point, the b'risa says that uh, the chasan, the groom, is exempt from reciting Shema, from saying the Shema, there's an obligation to say Shema twice, once in the morning and once in the evening. Uh, in fact, there's an additional obligation to really say it a third time before one goes to bed. But it's once in the morning, once in the evening. This groom is exempt from saying Shema. It says here, for the first night, let's say Wednesday night, because as we've mentioned many times, uh, Wednesday night is the ideal night to get married, all the way until Saturday night. He is exempt from saying Shema, provided that Loa they have not yet uh, fulfilled and, and completed uh, the the act of sexual relations until they completed that. So the groom is exempt from reciting Kriya Shema. He doesn't have to say Shema. He's not obligated in saying Shema. Now which Shema exactly are we referring to? Again, we pointed out that one has to say, there's an obligation to say Shema twice a day, once a night and once during the day. So some want to say that it's referring to the Shema at night. At night is when they have sexual relations. So he, he is exempt from reciting the Shema uh, at night. Some want to even say that it we're really referring to the Shema, um, which is by uh, when one goes to sleep. Uh, the third type of the third time that we say Shema is when, when we go to sleep. The biblical obligation is to say it twice. There's this additional third ob- third time that we say it on a rabbinic level. And so there's this exemption. What is this? Where does this exemption come from? Where, 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 why would you be exempt? So the Gemara says, "My love, the Tarid isn't the reason for the exemption because since he is being involved in the mitzvah of of having sexual relations, so and he's being involved in it and he's thinking about it, and so therefore he should be exempt because he's being he's thinking about it. It's the first time that he's doing it. He's completely involved in thinking about it, so he should be exempt. In fact, Rashi says this might be fall under the principle of when you're involved in one mitzvah, so then you are exempt from from, from fulfilling other mitzvahs. If you're completely involved, so then you're exempt from fulfilling other mitzvahs. And so here, here too, you're being involved in the midst of having sexual relations, so therefore you should be exempt from uh, from the other mitzvah of 
of of saying the Shema, of saying the Shema. So Amalei Abaye, Abaye says back, and, and so therefore, what do we prove from there? Sorry, before we get to Abaye, what do we prove from there? We prove from there that we're talking about Wednesday night to Saturday night, every night, Friday night, it seems like there that you have the ability to have sexual relations for the first time. Sounds like it's a good proof to say that Friday night, it's 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 mutter, it's acceptable, it's allowed. So Amalei Abaye, Abaye says, no, lo, no, what are you, why are you exempt? You are exempt because you're thinking, you're, you're, you're so distracted. It's not because you're involved in a mitzvah, but it's because you're totally distracted over the fact that you did not yet have sexual relations. That's why there's an exemption, because you're, you're, it's not about being involved in a, in a mitzvah, it's because you're totally distracted. If a person's totally distracted, so then they're exempt from saying the Shema. You have to be able to concentrate. And he's not concentrating because he's 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 distracted by the fact that not that he has he has the ability to right now to do it. No, it's Friday night. It's about the fact that he he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet, and so therefore he's totally distracted and he's exempt from saying the Shema. So Amalei Rava Rava says back, wait a minute. Where do we ever find such a principle? We should tear the putter. We just say all of a sudden if a person is just they're not able to concentrate, they're not able to think, all of a sudden they're exempt from mitzvos. Where do we have such an idea? If this is true, you know, if uh, if he just lost a lot of money, if his boat just sank in the, in, in the ocean, you know, that, I'm sure that caused uh, a lot of uh, misery and pain and, and uh, emotionally and you're just not able to think straight. So then in that case, also you should be exempt from saying Shema. We never find that. And if, if you're going to tell me that's true, maybe you'll tell me that's true. You know, perhaps the, the biggest situation where a person can't concentrate, when a person is in Avel, they're in mourning over the loss of a relative. They're obligated in all of the mitzvos. All 613 commandments, they're obligated in the Torah. So we see that when a person is is uh, not able to concentrate. And Avel, somebody who's in mourning, it's uh, very difficult to concentrate during that time period, but you're still obligated. So how can Abayi say that you're not obligated? So the Gemara, just uh, to end off that line, it says there's one mitzvah which uh, which in Avel, which uh, somebody who's in mourning does not fulfill. Chutz tefillin. And this is just on, on the first day itself. The first day of mourning, so if the, and if, it's, if the day of the death and the day of the funeral happen on the same day, they are exempt from putting on tefillin. Very interesting. They're exempt from putting on tefillin. Why? Because Because when it comes to tefillin, it says tefillin is pe'er. It's splendor. That when a person, the image of a person with tefillin on is an image of, of pe'er, of splendor, of, it's, it, it's like it's a, of, of happiness, of joyous times, of, of, of royalty perhaps. So it's it, it's it's an image which doesn't fit for somebody who's in mourning. Again, this is only for the first day of mourning. If it's the same day as the the death and the burial, uh, so then, so then for that day, there's an exemption from tefillin. Uh, there's a discussion: is it an exemption from tefillin because it's not right? It, it it's a problem for the other for the mourner. Or it's a problem for the tefillin. It's an interesting discussion: is it a disgrace to the tefillin? For the mourner to wear tefillin, or is it is it inappropriate for the mourner to have tefillin on? There's two ways of looking at it, uh, but either way, 
That's really a separate point. The main point is that even if you're in mourning, besides for tefillin, you are obligated in all the commandments. So what is Abaye talking about? Again, we started off with the fact that a, a chaslan, a groom, for the first four days, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, is exempt from reciting the Shema. Why? Seemingly the reason is because he's being involved in the mitzvah, in the mitzvah of, of having sexual relations for the first time with his wife. And he's totally, he's totally involved in that. So that, that should prove to us Friday night that you're, it's permissible to have sexual relations on Friday night. Comes by and says, no, it means that he's totally involved in the fact that he's upset about the fact he's worried about the fact that he, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't fulfilled it yet. And, but you're not obligated on Friday night. So to that, we ask, what are you talking about? Where do we find such a concept that just because you're, Involved with something else, you're you're focused uh, on something else that has nothing to do with anything, nothing to do with any mitzvah, uh, so that you're exempt from mitzvahs. We never find such a concept. Even a mourner, even somebody who's an avil, a mourner, is obligated in all the mitzvahs. So based on that, so Rava is going to then say, "Ella Amar Rava." Again, the the, the opinion of a baye, a baye and Rava here are arguing. The opinion of a baye is that uh, as long as you're distracted for whatever reason. Uh, we'll see that it's, it's going to be qualified. It's not just for whatever reason, but at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're distracted about the fact that you have not yet fulfilled a mitzvah, let's say, according to Baye. Baye will respond, there's a difference between being distracted over not fulfilling a mitzvah versus being distracted for any other reason, even uh, the death uh, in a family. Baye will hold if you're distracted because you haven't fulfilled a mitzvah, so then you are exempt from reciting Shema. Rava will argue, and Rava will say, no, the exemption is because you're being involved in a mitzvah, including Friday night. So Rava says, I had a proof. I think Rava says that what what we're discussing, whether or not it's permissible on Friday night, is a dispute amongst the rabbis from the times of the Mishnah. It's a dispute amongst different b'risas. These are rabbis from the times of the Mishnah. The Tanakhada, because it says in one b'risa, one Bryce says that Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, you are exempt from saying Shema if you have, I assume, if you have not yet uh, fulfilled the mitzvah of having sexual relations with your wife. You're exempt from saying Shema Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. That's one, that's one Bryce. The other Bryce says it's true for Wednesday night, it's true for Thursday night, but not for Friday night. Friday night, you have an obligation to recite the Shema. So says Rava, what are they arguing about? Why would one say that you are exempt from saying Shema Friday night, the other one say that you're obligated? The dispute is about whether or not it's permissible to have sexual relations on Friday night. That's what Rava's sheet, uh, sheet is. That's what Rava's opinion is. Abaye, Abaye argues, what does Abaye say? He says, no. Hasam nami beter de pligi. The dispute whether or not it's, whether that there's an exemption Friday night, is a question about whether or not everybody agrees that you are not allowed to have sexual relations for the first time on Friday night. But what they argue about is whether or not there's an exemption when one is distracted because they have not yet fulfilled a mitzvah. Not because they're actively involved in a mitzvah, but because they have not yet uh, fulfilled a mitzvah. And they're distracted by it. So according to the first opinion, there's an exemption from Shema because the person's thinking about the fact that I haven't done this mitzvah yet. I, I haven't fulfilled it yet, and he's distracted by it. The second opinion says that, no, that's not enough. Just like you're obligated in all mitzvahs when you're distracted, by distracted over financial loss, by uh, emotional loss, by the loss of a relative, so too, if it's, if it's, 
if it's a loss of a mitzvah, if it's you're distracted because you haven't fulfilled a mitzvah, you are also obligated. That itself is the dispute between these two these two opinions. Okay, so that's that's how Abaye will respond. The Gemara now says that Vahani Tanaki Hani Tanai, I will bring you another dispute amongst Tanaim, amongst rabbis from the time period of the Mishnah, where they argue explicitly explicitly about whether or not you're allowed to have sexual relations for the first time or not on Shabbos. So basically just the structure of the Gemara is that the Gemara wanted to bring one proof from the fact that the groom is exempt from saying Shema Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. And so that's a, there's a dispute there between Abaye and Rava how to understand that. Is it because they are, are involved in the mitzvah of, of having sexual relations even on Friday night or is it about the fact that they're upset that they can't do it? That is a dispute between Abai and Rava. But now we have an explicit dispute amongst the rabbis from the times of the Mishnah with regards to this very point, whether or not it's permissible to have sexual relations on Shabbos, on Friday night. Because the Bryce says, The first opinion says, if you get married, so then you cannot have sexual relations for the first time on Friday night, on Shabbos. But there's another opinion of the Chachamim who say that it's permissible. Who's the one that says it's permissible? Rabbi Rabbi says Rabbi Shimon Rabbi says it's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon that we quoted earlier over the last couple of recordings who holds that if my intention is for something else it's not for the Avera it's not for the the violation of Shabbos my intention let's say is to have sexual relations it just happens to be that uh, blood comes out because of the hymen or because you're, there's an opening that's created. It just happens to take place. I hold, says Rabbi Shimon, that that's allowed because not, my intention is not for the is not for the violation of Shabbos. So Abaye says back, I'm like, Abaye, what are you talking about? The Modur Shimon Abaye says that Rabbi Shimon agrees that in a situation where it will happen with certainty, it will for sure happen. So then, even if my intention is for that which is permissible, but if we know with certainty that it will take place, and when a person is having sexual relations for the first time, so then it's certain, says Abaye, that that the the uh, that the blood will come out or that it will create an opening. So even Rabbi Shimon agrees that it's not allowed, because my intention, as we explained in the last recording, my intention for that which is permissible is directly linked. There's a high likelihood, ninety-five percent chance, or whatever it is, a very high likelihood that the Sin will then come about. So he agrees that your intention for A will also be the intention for B. The intention for that which is permissible is the same thing as your intention for that which is not allowed if it will most likely take place. So the Gemara says back, Amrlay, you're right, but that's not the case here. It's true. If it will lead directly to um, the blood coming out, you're right. But what we're dealing with here are people who are bikini, they're experts. There are a group of people who are experts that they could, they could complete the uh, sexual process without having blood come out or without creating an opening. There are people who are experts like this. And because there are people who are experts like this, uh, so therefore it's not automatic. It's not automatically going to happen that uh, that just by having sexual relations, that that blood will come out. The point of the Gemara now is saying that it will. It's not happening with certainty. It won't. For, it won't. It won't for sure happen. So the Gemara says, "Im Cain 
Torah Lama, if that's the case that people are experts uh, to make sure that they know how to make sure that blood doesn't come out, so then Torah Lama, um, so then why is it that they are exempt from Shema? Because they're so distracted, they're experts. These people are experts, so why are they totally distracted? So the answer is, L'she'ena Baki. It's for, the, the exemption is really just for people who are not experts. If you're an expert, so then you're not uh, uh, you're not going to be you're not going to be totally distracted. It's, we're talking about people who are not experts. So the Gemara says, "Yomru baki mutar sheino baki aser robekine." The Gemara asks, "Wait a minute! You're going to tell me now that if you're an expert, so then and you're able to have sexual relations in a way where blood won't come out, so then you're allowed to have sexual relations on Friday night on Shabbos. But if you're not an expert, you can't, and it's forbidden. Is that really true?" The Gemara says no. Rov Bikinahin. This is an interesting point. That because the majority of people are experts, the majority of people do know how to create this situation where blood doesn't come out. So therefore, seemingly everybody. The point is, is that for everybody, because this is this happens, the majority of people know how to have sexual relations in this way where uh, for the first time it will not cause blood to come out. So therefore, for everybody, for everybody. There is an exemption because it's not true. When a person has action A, which is permissible, i.e. the act of having sexual relations, and action B, or, or action B, which is not allowed, which is the blood coming out, they're not directly linked. They're not directly linked. It's not automatic that A will lead to B because the majority of the time, yeah, majority of people, they, they know how to do this in a certain way where the blood won't come out. It's therefore for everybody. It's not automatically linked. A and B are not automatically linked, and so therefore, according to Reb Shimon, again, only according to Reb Shimon, others disagree, but according to Reb Shimon, if my intent is for the permissible action, action A, even if there's a chance that B will happen, it's allowed, even though B is not allowed, but my intention is for A, my intention is just for sexual relations, That's a, so even though it might lead to something which is a violation of Shabbos, it is still permissible, because it's not automatically going to lead to it. That's what the Gemara says. The Gemara has one last question, and we'll end with this. Amalei Rava Bar Ravchanan Labai. Rava Bar Ravchanan says to Abaye, Ela Meata. According to this, Shoshvinan Lama Mapa Lama. The Gemara, we'll have the Gemara later on. The Gemara will say uh, that we try to uh, have proof on that on the first night when they're having sexual relations, we try to have people who will be around right after they have sexual relations. To ascertain whether or not she is, um, she is was a basula, she was a virgin, uh, because again, this is going back to what we b- began with. It's important to know whether or not she was a virgin, because if she wasn't, so then there's concern that she committed adultery during the during the one year gap, right between the first stage of marriage and the second stage of marriage. So there is this concern that she had this uh, sexual relations. So therefore, we want to make sure that. Uh, that 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 she was a virgin. So the Gemara asks. So I don't understand. If if the husbands they they know how to have sexual relations in a way where the blood doesn't come out, so then they could do that and then claim they could have sexual relations and then claim she was a virgin that that she wasn't a virgin that the blood never came out that she wasn't a virgin, and then basically have sexual relations and then get divorced without any. If she really committed adultery, then they could get divorced and he has no obligation to. Uh, responsibilities for the ksuba, for the different obligations of, of the monetary responsibilities after divorce. So he could just make this false claim. He could, they could have sexual relations in a way where blood doesn't come out and say, oh, you see, 
she she had she uh, she had an affair during during the marriage. So how does it help to have people there who are present? So the Gemara answers, "You're right. You're right. If blood doesn't come out, so then uh, we don't necessarily trust him. If she claims that she's still a virgin and and." Uh, and he did it in such a way where the blood didn't come out. So then we have to wait till the blood does come out. But the only reason why we need people there for proof is let's say it's a situation where there is blood. Let's say there is blood. We don't want him to hide it. We don't want the husband to then go ahead and hide the sheets um, because and then make such a claim. We don't want that situation. And so therefore we need some sort of people there who are present uh, right afterwards to make sure that um, he doesn't. He's not lying about it. We don't want him to lie about it. Where it's a situation where there is blood, and then he will hide it. Um, so this, these are issues actually that we're going to get to later on uh, about uh, the proof that's necessary. But again, this is all going back to the to the point, which was the beginning of the Mishnah of getting married on Wednesday night. Uh, we want to make sure that um, nothing happened. That there was there was no, nothing took place. There was no adultery. Uh, which took place during that year gap between the first stage of marriage and the second stage of marriage. And uh, so we wanted to, we, the Gemara asked that if there are people who are bikini, who are experts, who can have sexual relations in a way where the blood doesn't come out, how does it help to have people who uh, will prove it? So it only helps in really one direction where there was blood there and so then it would be proof uh, because we want to make sure that the husband doesn't hide it. Um, because if he hides it and then claims that uh, she committed adultery, so then it's a way out for him. It's a way out for him to get divorced without having any monetary obligations. Okay, that concludes the Gemara, and we actually complete Vavam Abay 6b. Uh, we just had two longer recordings for, uh, for Davav, for, for the sixth page of Ksubis, and we will move on to Davzayin in the next recording.